You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Well, for one last time here for the 2021 season, my name is Trent Rush. Welcome to Angels Recap. Yes, the Angels Recap podcast here, closing up shop here for 2021. The Angels with that win on Sunday, 7-3 over the Seattle Mariners to finish the season at 77 and 85. So many things to get to here on the podcast today. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, We've taken a couple days now to sit back, reflect, think about some of the things that have happened this year. Uh, We had a really long uh, postseason extravaganza show live on the radio on Sunday night. That was a lot of fun. We had a ton of interest, ton of people that were a part of that, made that uh, an enjoyable experience. Just to kind of go through some of the things uh, that you want to see this Angels offseason. We'll go through some of that uh, coming up here. We'll look back at our top plays of the season and uh, also most of our show today is going to be from a conversation that Angels general manager Perry Manassian had with the media on Monday. Uh, Some would call it an exit interview at the end of the season. I I don't know if it necessarily was that but it was just a a, a final season meeting uh, to go through some of the things that went well, some of the things that didn't go well and what's to come for the Angels. I like to reflect a little bit, um, but I am somebody that likes to look to tomorrow. I like to look at what's next. I don't like to live in the past. So I think that's what we're going to do here on the podcast today. We're going to look ahead, and that was part of what we talked about with Perry Manassian moving forward. What is the direction of the Angels going to be? What are they looking to do? What are the priorities for the 2022 season and beyond? And I think we're going to get to that. I think there are a lot of topics to discuss. I think for one, you got to figure out what the middle infield is going to look like. You got to figure out: do you go after a shortstop? Um, do you maybe move Fletcher to shortstop and and try to get you know bring in a second baseman? Do you think that Luis Rangifo maybe is an option there? We'll hear from Perry talking about that. We'll figure out what the Angels are going to do in the bullpen. Are they going to have to rebuild a whole new bullpen once again? Are they going to try to bring Rysal Iglesias back? But most importantly it's about starting pitching and I think that everybody would agree with that and and quite frankly it's not about just bringing in one guy it's about bringing in several guys and of course in a dream scenario I'd love to bring Rysel back you'd love to bring Alex Cobb back you'd love to see the Angels go get two frontline starters whether it be free agency trade for them whatever it has to be and maybe make Shohei Otani your three like that's what in a dream world that's what you'd love to be able to accomplish this season oh and fill the shortstop position as well it's an incredibly long list. But when Perry Manassian was asked, what are the priorities for this offseason? Take a listen to what he had to say. Pitching is is always going to be a priority. Uh, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it again, you can never have enough. Obviously this year showed that. You know, we had numerous injuries on the mound, some um, some performance some performance issues there from certain guys. So you need pitching and you not only need quality, but you need depth too. 
you have to be able to withstand injuries, withstand some subpar performances. Uh, you know, and, and I think that this year was pointed out more so than ever. But there's other areas in the team, too. I mean, offensively, we can be better. We struggled in the second half offensively with certain things. Base running can be better. Defense can definitely improve. So I think there's all areas. Uh, there can definitely be improvements made. But you know, I think front and center is the mound. You know, we need to pitch better. Get the guys that are here better. Go get outside pieces. Do what you have to do. The Angels need to be a team that has to be able to count on their pitching for 162 games and, and that is something that you know we learned in that postseason meeting yesterday that uh, of the names of, of guys that you expect to be back and you can maybe pencil in uh, to the rotation I think if you're looking at the roster right now what 2022 is going to look like I think you could count on Shohei Otani being in the rotation possibly Sandoval and Suarez I think has played his way into the rotation if you have a six-man rotation I think you like those three in there but now it's about finding three more and, and that's going to be what the Angels are going to try to do. Maybe it does end up being bringing back Alex Cobb. Maybe it means you know trading for team, uh, trading for starting pitchers. Maybe it means signing one in free agency. But clearly, starting pitching has to be the priority. And you just heard from Angels GM Perry Manassi, and that that's exactly what it is as uh, what the Angels are looking to do. And, and it's also about drafting, developing, which we'll get to in a moment. One of the things that I asked Perry was the likelihood of maybe being able to trade for pitching because you look at the free agent list and yeah you could go try to sign Max Scherzer go try to sign Robbie Ray um you know maybe I think maybe best case scenario you could sign one of those guys and you know realistically the Angels probably need two you know front end starters for this team to be you know mindful of trying to win a championship and I think that's the goal here um but, I mean, that's going to be unbelievably expensive. I've talked about this. I think that, you know, I've said this many times. To go get front-end starting pitching, it's very pricey either in terms of chips or in terms of cash. Um, the Angels have some cash. The Angels have some chips. They probably have enough of each to go those you know, both ways to be able to, to do that, sign one, trade for one, try to maybe go that route. I don't know exactly the, the financials and, and how it is all working, but, you know, just based on the 30,000 foot view of what you hope the Angels could accomplish this offseason, you know, that might exist, but it's going to, you're, you're going to have to overpay. I mean, that's the reality is that you know, it's not a great value to go try to acquire starting pitching. That's why it's so important to draft and develop. That's why the Angels drafted as many guys as they did you know, this past July. That's the reason, because it's not great business to go try to spend like crazy either by giving up your best you know, prospects or spending all of your available cash to go try to bring in pitching. I mean, that's it, you can't rely on that. But, you know, at a certain point, maybe you have to end up biting the bullet. That's kind of a dangerous road for how to go about it. You know, you look at the teams that have been able to have the success they've had. They've done so by drafting and developing. But the Angels are in a position now to where that you're trying to draft and develop and build that for the future, whereas at the same time, you're trying to get a team that's ready to win now. Um, Perry talked about that, but first, here's Perry Manassi on, on a question I asked him about the possibility of maybe wanting to acquire a pitcher via a trade. Yeah, it's hard to say now. You know, you just don't know who's available yet. So once we get into the offseason and, and you have an idea of, of what's available. Uh, I think teams go through similar processes. 
you know, season ends and you have you have your meetings and you have your internal evaluation of what you currently have. But I think we've seen top end starters moved year in and year out to a certain extent, right? Like last off season, uh, San Diego ended up trading for two guys, and you know, I think previous there's examples of that. Um, for the most part, year in and year out, where there's impact starters uh, available. So I mean, we'll we'll see what's available from a trade standpoint. We'll see what's available from a free agent standpoint. We'll see how we line up, and we'll go from there. But we understand that the mound is a place where we'd like to significantly improve. Not just improve, but significantly improve. Can you tell in Perry Manassian's voice how serious he is about improving the pitching? I can tell. Not just improve, seriously improve. I mean, there's no doubt what the direction of this offseason is going to look like for the Halos. He also brought up something interesting, too. And this is, I mean, this is a hard thing for a general manager to balance. And that is trying to find that balance of win now versus set yourself up for long term success. Perry Manassian is being tasked with doing both. And here he is on, on how he plans to balance that. You have to look short-term and long-term. So, um, you know, as far as Mike goes, Mike's here for a long time. I, mean, I know it's, like, hey, you had one more year to win with Mike Trout or two more years to win with Mike Trout. I don't agree with that. You know, I, if you ask him, you know, hey, do you plan on being a good player at age 32? I think he's going to say yes, you know, or 33 or 34. The Giants are a perfect example. You know, I mean, Brandon Crawford's had an unbelievable year, and, uh, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey. So this um, this narrative of you only have a year left or two years left to take advantage of Mike Trout, I, I disagree with. Now, with that being said, yeah, Shohei has two years of control left and, you know, Anthony and Mike, and we've got a pretty good nucleus of players. And, I, you know, that's not something that's overlooked. So um, we plan on improving this club. That's what we want to do. We want to play. We want to be playing. You know, we want to be flying somewhere right now and working out tomorrow and getting ready for a game on Thursday. And that's, that's what we'd like to do. Um, you know, but that's going to take a lot of work. And to me, it's decision-making, right? You make good decisions. You know, sure, if it's a, a short-term decision that's presented to you, you take all the information, you weigh it as best as you can, and you make good baseball decisions. So if it's a long-term decision that's presented, do the same thing. So uh, I think if you do things for the right reasons, um, you're not going to get all of them right. Every trade's not going to be perfect. Every free agent's not going to be perfect. You know, but at the end of the day, you're going to get a lot more right than wrong. And that's what we're trying to do. Now, I mentioned the trades before and, and how Perry could possibly go that direction and try to acquire pitching or, or maybe other positions via the trade market. Um, one of the questions you then have to ask are, who are you comfortable with possibly having to deal? Because when you end up trading for a friend guy, it means that you are giving up a player that another team really likes. So you're going to be probably trading away somebody that you really like too that you probably don't want to give up. That's part of you know why you don't want to be in position where you have to go trade for a, a top end starter. You know you look at the San Diego Padres and who they had to give up to go get Blake Snell last year. I think kind of tells you. I mean they gave up a haul to go get Blake Snell. That was part of the deal that they made. So for I mean now I get you Darvish wasn't quite as much, but at the same time like. 
you're going to have to trade away pieces that you probably really would much prefer to keep. But here's Perry Manassian talking about who might be untouchable, if anybody. Yeah, I, I would never label anybody untouchable. Um, you know, obviously some are harder to move than others. You know, but as far as putting labels on guys and on guys, it's not what we won't, we won't do that. While we're on the subject of pitching, and I, I promise we're going to move on here in a second, but pitching ends up being the big deal. Like, that's going to be the focus. Like, every podcast we do in the offseason, like when Halo's Hot Stove comes back probably um, around winter meetings time, um, that's going to be the conversation. It's how are the Angels going to improve their pitching. We've known this for several years for what the Angels have tried to do. They've tried a variety of ways to do it, and now it's going to be about finding another way to try to improve the pitching around a team that you really believe in has a chance uh, to be very successful. As far as Rysel Iglesias in the bullpen, I mean, that ends up being kind of the guy on the free agent market if it ends up getting to that point where every team that wants to improve their bullpen, which is everybody, is going to want to take a look at Rysel Iglesias. It'll be very interesting to see what the Angels do here. I mean, in one way, they could offer him a qualifying offer, uh, which I think would be an interesting thought. Maybe that's going to be around $19, $20 million for the year, but it would be a one-year deal. Um, Then you could try to extend him later. Um, You could offer him a long-term contract. I mean, if if you offer him a, a qualifying offer and he declines, well, then you get a draft pick as, as a compensation. So there is something to that. So maybe that ends up being a direction uh, that the Angels look to go. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, all things considered, I think Rysel would like to be here. I think the Angels would like to keep him. It's just you got to find a way to make that marriage work. And um, here's Perry talking a little bit about Rysel Iglesias. Yeah, I, from a negotiation standpoint, never negotiate publicly, but we love what he did this year. Obviously, we traded for him. We really like the guy. We like what he brings. Um, you know, I know he'd like to be back. So, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Of course, the Angels love what Rysel Iglesias did this year. How could you not? I mean, just look at the numbers. 2.57 ERA, 34 saves this season, 103 strikeouts and 70 innings. Yeah, 7-5 and five record. But the thing about Rysel Iglesias was not only was he dominant at the end of the season. I mean, you look at his last 30 games, he had a 1.17 ERA. But for Iglesias, I, I, you, you had to use him in so many different long situations. For the Angels, he was the Angels' setup man and the closer for much of this season until at the end the Angels said, okay, we're not going to use him more than an inning. And that's kind of when the Angels were out of the race. But for much of this season, Rysel Iglesias kept him in it. What were the Angels, something like 70-0 and 0 or close to that when leading after eight innings? Rysel Iglesias was simply phenomenal this season. But the interesting part about Iglesias' numbers, as, as great as they look, I do think Angel fans probably are going to have a greater appreciation for Rysel than maybe other teams, unless there were scouts taking a look at everything. But, I mean, I'll never forget that six-out save that he made against the Mariners earlier in the season. And, um, you know, Rysel did so many things just beyond outstanding, way above and beyond what you could ever dream of from a closer, that I, I think that the Angels got to see it. And unless you were witnessing Iglesias all the time, you might not have as great of appreciation for it. So I, I think the Angels probably appreciate Iglesias maybe more than the rest of the league. Maybe not. But I mean, I, I've said this too, and I'll say this again. 
Whoever ends up losing in the AL or NLCS this year is going to wish that they made a bigger push to try to get Rysel Iglesias to the deadline. I mean, that is that is the reality. They're going to wish they had him because there is inevitably going to be a team this postseason that has some kind of bullpen blunder that's going to wish they had that dude. He is built for October. Now he's got to come back to the Angels. The Angels got to get him there. You just hope it can work out. You have no idea how it's going to play out, but you certainly hope that it does. You know, an interesting thing, too, is the shortstop position. Because as much as we talk about the Angels needing to fill the pitching, and they do, that has to be the priority. But the shortstop position is a really important one as well. And the, the thing about the shortstop position is the Angels need a shortstop, and there are a bunch of free agent shortstops available on the market. Trevor Story, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon is on that list. Corey Seager's the big one. Like There are a lot of really good shortstops. They're all big ones. They're all big names that you could bring in shortstop. Um But now you're trying to balance, okay, how much money do you spend on pitching? How much do you spend on the shortstop? What's going to make the most sense for the team as a whole to be as successful as it can be in 2022 and beyond? And then you have to look internally, okay, maybe you slide David Fletcher over and maybe you can go second base and look at a name like a Cesar Hernandez or or maybe go that direction and try to fill in at second base because you feel like Fletcher can be your shortstop. Maybe you go that route. Um, Perry talked about some of the thought process that maybe go going on uh, in some of the, the, the meetings upstairs here above our studios at AM830. We'll look at every, every area um, that we can improve on. We'll definitely take a look, shortstop being one of them. Um, you know, that's, that's obviously a really important position on the field. I do think we have some versatility there with the guys we currently have. I thought, uh, I thought you know, Brink Ifo played a really solid shortstop in September, which was really encouraging. He had a chance to play day in and day out, and his work habits were really good. And um, he swung the bat well with normal playing time at one position. I think Fletch has the ability to slide over if we wanted him to. As good as he is at second, um, you know, he's very confident that he can play a high-level shortstop too. Uh, so we do have some internal options, but we'll look at external possibilities too. Like I said, dream world, you sign one of those shortstops, you sign a big-name starting pitcher, you trade for another starting pitcher, you bring back Rysel Iglesias. Hey, it's not my money. I mean, I can spend somebody else's money. It's, you know, that's, the, that's the thing. I mean, you look at the list of what you'd love to do. I mean, that, that's incredibly expensive to do everything. So you got to find a way, right, to, to, to manage that in a, in a – you know, a reasonable manner to where I mean, the Angels they have some money to spend. I was looking, you know, if if they go to the luxury tax, I think it's like ninety one million dollars. You, you know, they have some money to spend, but when you talk about like all those names, and then you figure, you know, the names that you're gonna have to, you know, in arbitration deals and everyone coming back, like that that ninety one million dollars gets sucked up really quick. Like that just because of what the Angels, if they go pure free agent route the whole way, I mean that you you, you know that cash gets spent in a hurry. And, and that's if they go to the luxury tax. The other part, too, and you cannot forget about this, is the CBA is going to play such a big role in this offseason. You know, that expires December 1. If there is no deal by then, there is no CBA. There is no baseball at the moment. I don't know how long that would last. We don't know what's going to go on with the winter meetings and how that's all going to play out. I mean, there are a million questions on that front. So there are going to be people out there that are going to say, oh, I want this thing to happen fast. And I'm going to tell you to hold your horses for a second. 
You know, I, I, I'm not telling you that the Angels are going to have a slow offseason and how this develops. I'm telling you everybody is going to have a slow offseason and how this develops. That's just kind of the nature of where baseball is at. You got The CBA gets done first and you work from there. That's where this, you know, the Angels, MLB, everybody's situation is really kind of hanging on that collective bargaining agreement coming together. It's a huge part of this. Now, as much as we talk about this Angels organization, we talk about the needs, and you talk about what the Angels want to do this offseason, one of the positives I really felt, and this was palpable, the culture that's being built within this Angels organization and what Joe Madden has created in the dugout and the clubhouse, I think is significant. I think you saw leaders become greater leaders. Like I look at a Mike Trout, and I think that that is somebody that has evolved as a leader. That's a big deal. I also look at you know the way that you know maybe like a Dexter Fowler can have an impact on the guys. I thought Alex Cobb this season was really good for a lot of the young pitchers. There are good guys in the room, and that's why I asked Perry Manassian about the culture and just how he feels that's come together here this season. Yeah, I have a different take on culture than than maybe other people. I think culture is people. So I mean, you can have all the slogans in the world. Um, you know, you can have sayings and mission statements, and you know, to me, it it's it's the people in the room. So, um, I think it's very simple. When I'm, you know, I'm a pretty simplistic person. Find good players that that are good people, and you'll have a really good culture. You know, find good staff members that are good people, and you'll have a really good culture. So, um, again, I like dumbing things down. I think this was a pretty good group of guys. I really enjoyed the year. Obviously, we did not win as many games as I hoped to win. Nobody wants to win, you know, as, as bad as Artie uh, and Carol and John and myself. Um, you know, we have higher expectations than, than how we played this year. And, um, you know, but there were a lot of positives. And the room was one of, one of the big positives for me, just how the guys interacted with each other, uh, the development of some of our younger players, who had opportunities that they might have not thought were going to be granted earlier in the year. Um, you know, how some of our veteran players that were on the IL that missed time really helped guys. You know, that's important too. You know, it's, um, it's a team game. This is not an individual game. We miss some key we miss some key players, but that's not an excuse. A lot of teams miss key players. So, uh, you know, do we need to get better? Yes. We need to get better. I'm as well aware of that as anybody. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm really excited for this offseason. Again, that's Angels GM Perry Manassian. And as much as that was a positive, I mean, Perry was just talking about how some of the guys on the injured list had to have their role in the clubhouse. Ultimately, you want to have those guys uh, making an impact on the field as well as the clubhouse. And that's a huge part of it. And a big deal is trying to stay healthy. And that's also something that, you know, the Angels are currently going through a review process that's going to last several days as they're trying to evaluate a lot of different areas within the organization, among them being the health part of this. How are guys going to stay healthy on the field? And here's Perry talking about that. Yeah, that's all part of the review. So, um, you know, we'll take the rest of this week and, and go through each individual injury and, and you know, a lot of what was done past off season, who they worked with, what they did in season, uh, as far as time in the weight room, time in the training room, what their recovery was like, what their routine is. I think it's going through each individual player 
And it's not only the guys that were hurt, but the guys that were healthy. And why did they stay healthy? And is there some type of um, adjustment we can make as an organization to keep guys on the field? So these guys want to play. The guys that were hurt, I mean, you know, and I know a lot of guys talk about Mike and Anthony, and, and rightfully so, they're great players, but you know, those are not the only two guys that want to play. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, to get to this level, you put a lot of work in and you dedicate the majority of your life up to this point to get here. And when you're here, you want to take advantage of it. So, um, you know, we're, that's part of the review. It's a big part of the review, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, it's a significant, significant part of the review. This is the medical side. One of the players that managed to stay healthy through the entire 2021 season was Shohei Otani. And we're going to take a short break here for just a moment for a word from our sponsors and then our conversation with the Angels two-way phenom on his soon-to-be MVP season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back here on the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Before the Angels' final game of the season, I took a moment and spent some time with Shohei Otani. Appreciated uh, him giving us some time. And here now is our conversation. Good morning, Shohei. I was curious to know how much you've had time to think about what you've been able to accomplish this season. Many people have called it historic. Just wanted to know what you've made of this season and just what's your reaction to what you've been able to do this year. Yeah, I, I still haven't had time to reflect on the season yet. So we're still not we're at the last game of the season, but I've been playing almost every day, so I still haven't really had time to look back on my season. When you think about when you came to the United States and what you wanted to accomplish here, do you feel like what you've done this season has proven you can do this here as being a two-way star in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I'll leave it up to the fans and the I mean, the managers and other people out there to decide if I met my expectations. But um, I was really happy to get through this season without any injuries. And honestly, I wish I could have done this, had a season like this a little earlier. This is my fourth year, so yeah, I think it, it took a little too long. But yes. And last question for me, Shohei. Was there, was there a point ever at this season where you felt maybe – a little bit tired at any points that you tried to try to work through? I know it's a, it's a long season, but did you feel that at any point this year? Um, thinking back, there's not really a point in the season where I really felt fatigued or tired. Um, I was able to um, play on a daily basis with a good rhythm, so I just kept that up through the whole season. How amazing is Otani? I, I mean, seriously. Oh, no, I, I wanted to do this. It's my fourth year, so I should have done the song ago. Amazing. Shoei Otani, just an incredible, incredible season. Um, if, I know that everybody has kind of done this, but I, I do want to go over Shoei Otani's numbers just for a bit because I, I truly think that they were beyond phenomenal. Not only did he have a nine-war season, uh, yes, the two fifty seven batting average, but 46 home runs, 103 runs scored, 100 
runs batted in, 26 RBI, an OPS of 965. That's just what he did at the plate, let alone on the mound. 9-2 and two record, which I'll tell you, I think should be a 10-2 and two record since he got the win at the All-Star game, but that's just me. 318 earned run average. He had 156 strikeouts and 130 and a third innings pitched beyond a phenomenal year for Shohei Otani, who believes that he can continue to do this and keep getting better. And you know what? By golly, I believe that Shohei can keep doing this and he can keep getting better because every time you doubt this guy, he proves you wrong. That is what Shohei Otani has done since the day he got to Major League Baseball. It's amazing watching Shohei Otani play this great game. He is so incredible at it, and he continues to improve. And every time you think he can't get any better, he finds a way to do that. Watch Shohei Otani is going to hit for a higher average next year, and he's going to be, you know, watch what he did on the mound this season. I mean, he had all those command issues first half of the year. All of a sudden, he fixes that, and then as unhittable as a splitter was, it got even better in the second half, and he had better command. I don't know how he did it, but he did, and he managed to stay healthy the entire way through. Shohei Otani played 155 games. That's as many as anybody on the Angels played this season. I mean, that that to me is, among all of the stats, um, one of the best. Oh, oh yeah, he had nine triples, too. Right, so, tied for the most in baseball in, in triples. I mean, it's one thing after another for Shohei Otani. Um, it's sure to be the MVP. I think it ends up being unanimous, or close to it, quite frankly. Um, I, I don't know how you don't vote for Shohei Otani. The only way you might not have is if Vladdy Jr. would have gotten the triple crown, then you could have heard that argument, at least at least listened to that argument. But nobody, and I mean nobody, was more valuable to their team than Shohei Otani, who put together one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive seasons in Major League Baseball history. That's how good Shohei Otani was this year. Before we get to our top plays of the season, um, did want to mention this about Otani as well. Um, remember there was that report that Otani wanted out last week, and, and I know that we talked about this on the show and, and what I thought about that report, and, and it's, you know, <laughs> if you want to listen to my take, go back last week. I don't want to rehash this, but um, as a follow-up this time around, Shohei was asked if he'd be open to potentially re-signing with the Angels if it were to be approached this winter. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll be very open to negotiation. I mean, the team's uh, supporting me for this whole four years, and I'm really appreciative of that. But whether or not there's any contract extensions, I just want to, I said earlier, um, be ready and be ready to perform next season. There you go. That is Shohei Otani. All right, now it is time to look back at some of the great moments here in 2021, as here are the top five plays of the season. Number five. All right, I'm just going to warn you in advance, there is a whole lot of Shohei Otani in this top five list, and understandably so. And we're going to start with Otani going back to June the 6th, and this was a game in Kansas City where Otani hit his longest home run of the year, 470 feet. 2-2, he lifts this ball high, and he hits it deep out into right center field. It is way out of here. Tuesday night, bottom of the first inning, it's already showtime. Two nothing Angels. Now, as impressive as that was, I still think the home run that he hit off the catwalk in Tampa Bay might have been even longer than that. Didn't measure officially as long. It's kind of like the one he hit in Japan back when he was playing in the NPL. Hit it through the roof at the Tokyo Dome, and that was measured to be 492 feet. Number four. You know, the Never Quit Angels have been a part of some pretty crazy games here this season. Let's take it back to August the 19th, the game in Detroit with the Angels down 10-2 in the sixth inning. Well, with the bases loaded, Phil Gosson 
Johnson got a base hit, then a bases loaded walk to Jared Walsh before a bases loaded walk to Justin Upton made it 10-5. Angels back in this ballgame, kinda. Joe Adele then brings in a run. Now it's 10-6, and you can feel the Tigers starting to sweat a little bit, especially when Brandon Marsh triples in a run. 10-8 as we go to the seventh. That's where Jared Walsh would double in another run. Now a one-run ball game with a man on in the eighth for Max Stassi. Here's the next delivery, and there's a ball that's hit well down the left side, and that ball is out of here! How about that? Stassi has just hit a two-run homer, and the Angels have been able to climb the mountain today in Detroit and lead it 11-10. Just an epic comeback right there. 13-10 ends up being the final number three. Okay, let's give a little love to the pitching, and this is not an Otani highlight. It's actually Rysel Iglesias, who in this game, back on June the 4th, Angels taking on the Seattle Mariners, came into the game walking quite the tightrope. Bases were loaded, nobody was out in the eighth inning. Rysel Iglesias gets out of the jam, and then in the ninth, looking to slam the door for a six-out save. Here's the payoff pitch, and he got him looking, struck him out, and the ball game is over. That's about as good as it gets for a closer right there. What a job done by Iglesias tonight. He retires all six batters. He strikes out four of them. Only one hitter got the ball out of the infield. Angels win it tonight, three to two. You can put a halo over this one. Number two. Okay, let's go back to a Sunday at Fenway Park on May the 16th where the Angels jumped out to a 4-0 lead in the second inning only to see that erased by the Red Sox who had a 5-4 lead going into the ninth inning. Look, for the Angels, they had lost four games in a row. They were trying to avoid being swept by the Red Sox and Mike Trout at this point was in a bit of a funk but with two outs, he hits a little flare that ends up dropping for a base hit, a slump-busting single for Mike Trout. Then the very next batter, Shohei Otani with one of the more clutch home runs of his career. Otani has gone 0 for 3 today. Here's the pitch and he swings and Shohei Otani drives the ball deep down the right side and it's going to push just foul. Or no, is it? No, they're saying a home run. They're saying that ball has left the ballpark and Shohei has just given the Angels the lead in this ball game. And now the Angels are on top six to five. Right around the pesky pole, Otani gets it done for the Angels. It was a game they absolutely had to win. And thanks to Shohei Otani, they did. Number one. Okay, for our top play, not a Shohei Otani moment, but let me take you back to the craziest game I have ever seen. And this was on June the 30th with the Angels visiting New York in the Bronx, taking on the Yankees. Otani was on the mound to start this game, did not get out of the first inning. Yankees put up a seven spot in the first and had an early 7-2 to lead in this one as we skip all the way ahead to the ninth inning. It was like a six-hour game. There were two rain delays, and the Angels were chasing four runs, facing Araldis Chapman. Now, in this situation, with the Yankees having a four-run lead, they had won their previous 820 games in that same situation. Araldis Chapman had not given up a home run to a left-hander since 2017. He had only given up three to a left-hander in his entire career, and Jared Walsh is sitting like a buck 60 against lefties at this point. But all of that is out the window for all-star Jared Walsh in a clutch situation. Here's the 1-0 on Walsh, and he swings and lifts a high drive out into right center field. It's way out of here. That is a grand slam right there by Jared Walsh to tie the ball game up in the ninth inning. 
It's now 8-8. Wow. That was the craziest game ever. I still don't know how the Angels won that game, but I'm glad they did. That was a really fun one uh, there in the Bronx. Everybody that waited through the two rain delays and the six hours and stayed up late to watch it, man, what a reward that was. The Angels would win that game. Jared Walsh ends up being the hero with that grand slam, a moment he would call his favorite of the 2021 season, and understandably so. Before we say goodbye here this year, I took a moment to pen an essay about what this year has been like. So now, here's that. A rose is beautiful, delicate, can protect itself, but needs attention. After a quiet winter in spring, it blossoms with the hope of maintaining its elegance through the summer and the fall. In some ways, growing a rose is not too unlike winning a baseball championship. This season, the Angels saw one bud dominate all. The perfect rose could do everything and stood tall above the rest. Nobody's done what Shohei Otani did this past season. If he was only a hitter, he'd still be considered an MVP candidate. But as a pitcher, too, he'll get some Cy Young consideration as well. Shohei Otani did both in 2021, arguably the most impressive season in baseball history. But for the Angels, this season ends up being about the buds that never got a chance. From Dexter Fowler getting hurt in the first week to Mike Trout playing just 36 games, Anthony Rendon had season-ending surgery in August, and Max Stassi missed 44 of the first 54 games. Alex Cobb was limited to less than 90 innings on the mound, plus Justin Upton was out of action for close to half the year. Like an aphid, the injury bug hampered the Angels all season long. There were some bright spots. On the mound, Patrick Sandoval emerged as Chris Rodriguez and Reed Detmers were introduced, while Jose Suarez proved that he belongs. Oh, and nobody saved this team as often as Rysel Iglesias did, now considered to be one of the best closers in baseball with his career 2021 campaign. Jared Walsh shined as a first-time All-Star, yeah, far cry from his 39th round selection over half a decade before, and David Fletcher's gloves sparkled like a precious medal all season, dare I say golden. The second helping of Joe Adele was far better than the first, and our first glimpse of Brandon Marsh showed promise too. Despite the Angels' sixth straight losing season, there was demonstrative growth when it comes to culture. The Joe Madden effect has begun. The 2021 Angels fought hard through everything, using those thorns to defend itself against the pesky tough division that is the AL West. Now comes winter to prepare for rebirth. How else can the Angels grow? Who will be added? Who will improve? How can this team capture a window of opportunity with the game's biggest stars? That will all be determined soon enough. Until then, good night, 2021. I can't wait to see the next blossom in the spring. Well, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. I want to thank the people that helped put this thing together all year long. To Hannah Stang, Alex Tino, Adam Chodzko, Matt Birch, Howard Drescher. Thanks to all of you for being a part of our program. Hang tight. We're going to take a little bit of time off. We're not going to do the podcast in October. Probably not much in November either. Uh, but as soon as the Angels start making some moves and we get hot stove conversation and it becomes time uh, to get back into the baseball conversation, we will be here for for you and we're going to keep things going on Wednesdays here with the Angels Recap Podcast. You'll also be able to join us on the radio for Halo's Hot Stove. Uh, at the very least, uh, we'll get started first of the year, uh, maybe even before that. For now, my name is Trent Rush. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the offseason. Look forward to talking to you soon. And if you got any questions, you can always hit me up on Twitter as well at Trent Rush Sports. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast. Take care, everybody.